Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. In this episode, a shocking story, the gassing of schoolgirls in Iran. The Iranian government is calling potentially deliberate poisoning of hundreds of schoolgirls. Parents, understandably worried and concerned about the health of their daughters, were starting to protest outside of schools. Some parents are calling these targeted and deliberate attempts to keep their girls from getting an education. The worst day of incidents of suspected poisonings at girls' schools. Hundreds of schoolgirls around Iran have allegedly been poisoned by gas and there are accusations it's a deliberate attempt to stop them going to school. In response to these mass poisonings, parents are opting to keep their daughters at home and have decided to homeschool their daughters to keep them safe and to keep them protected. That story in our briefing. First, today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. It is Monday the 13th of March. Today in California, there'll be a historic meeting between our Prime Minister, also the US President, and the UK Prime Minister. This is an AUKUS meeting discussing the details for the nuclear submarine deal. Uh, that, that's caused a bit of controversy in the past, uh, but this one uh, apparently is all systems go and involves both second-hand US submarines and a deal with Britain to build new ones over here. Yeah, so over the last week, the media has been drip-fed information about this announcement, but we'll get the real deal later today. Um, We'll report it all for you tomorrow morning. Um, The latest info we've been drip-fed is the deal will generate 20,000 direct jobs here in Australia over three decades. And the cost estimate keeps going up. Last week, the figure getting thrown around was $180 billion. The latest is $200 billion. Hillsong Church has hit back at Independent MP Andrew Wilkie for the allegations he made last week that the church was breaking laws relating to fraud, money laundering and tax evasion. So Global Senior Pastor Phil Dooley gave a message to the church yesterday and he said it was un-Australian for Andrew Wilkie to make these accusations under parliamentary privilege. What is particularly un-Australian to exercise in this way particularly when there was no obstacle to Mr. Wilkie contacting the church for an explanation. Clearly, he doesn't appear to be interested in the answer and it kind of feels like being king hit from behind. But Jesus loves you, Mr. Wilkie. That's fortunate, isn't it? Uh, Despite the criticism of Andrew Wilkie for those revelations, Hillsong also announced yesterday there'd be an external review of its financial structure and an independent audit of this spending was continuing and it would also change its policy on gifts and honorariums. Tom, I know you've been following this Mm. story incredibly closely. So are the allegations from Wilkie that, you know, the spending on things like Louis Vuitton luggage and uh, Cartier watches and and business trips to various locations around the world, that it was church funds? Yes, all of it was church funds. Um, So I watched the whole message from Phil Dooley yesterday and in my opinion, it didn't really make sense that on one hand he was attacking Andrew Wilkie, but then on the other hand announcing that Wilkie's revelations have led them to assess and change their practices. Um, There were some other things that didn't make sense in yesterday's announcement as well. He said that regarding a lot of these financial issues that he knew as little as a lot of the people just sitting in the church. But Phil Dooley has been on the board of Hillsong for many years. And then another strange thing that happened yesterday, Brian Houston, um, the former head of Hillsong, who'd been um, pushed out, um, responded on Twitter by saying, 
he had no access to the church's finances and that it was the general manager who managed the money. Gosh, Ah, it's a lot of deflection and still a lot of questions to be answered there. That's right. And hopefully they'll be answered by the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profits Commission who confirmed last week that they were investigating Hillsong and that investigation's been going on since last year. So I'll be very interested to see what it reveals. A racism debate in rugby league. The teenager who's alleged to have verbally abused Rabbitohs star Latrell Mitchell is disputing the exchange was racially motivated. Uh, The 15-year-old Roosters fan is alleged to have levelled a racial slur at Mitchell as he left the field at half-time during Friday night's match between Penrith and South Sydney. The NRL and police are now investigating that incident. Nine's reporting there are conflicting reports of what was said and there's no audio of exactly what happened. Mitchell has received an outpouring of support following that incident. Yeah, this already had um, sad echoes of the Adam Good situation in the AFL. And now to learn that the um, person who allegedly made these taunts was a 15-year-old um, makes it even more similar to the Adam yeah. Good situation because that was a 13-year-old girl. So look, hopefully we can just resolve this and move on and stop any racism if it is happening um, from rugby league fans and we don't destroy Latrell Mitchell's career as Adam Goods' career was tarnished towards the end because these are, you know, incredible athletes who deserve the, the love and adoration they get. And America has just experienced its second biggest bank failure ever. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank came after higher interest rates soured a bond deal, which then caused investors to try and pull their money out of the bank, pushing its share price more than 60% lower before trading was halted. So the reverberations from this collapse are widespread and it's raising questions about a lot of other banks and how they're dealing with the rapid increase in interest rates. Yeah, our treasurer, Jim Chalmers, says he's closely monitoring the situation for any fallout here. There's a whole bunch of Aussie firms who've had money tied up in that bank, including Mm. Canva, um, which a lot of people use over here. Um, So our government says that it's working to understand the implications for the tech sector locally too. Yeah, and this is a really important story. So said at the top there that it's the second biggest bank to fail in America ever. The biggest bank to fail was Lehman Brothers, And that sparked the 2008 global financial crisis. So this is important stuff to keep an eye on. The Oscars are on this morning with an Australian film poised to make history. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis biopic is up for eight categories, including Catherine Martin for costume design and Mandy Walker, who's the third woman ever to be nominated for cinematography. It's also up for best picture. I think let's give... Just another shout out to these Aussie ladies. Uh, Catherine Martin, what an Mm. incredible woman. She is already the most nominated Australian of all time. She just lives a humble life on the Gold Coast. I actually see her a fair bit just out at cafes and things, which is sort of wild. I think parts of her life might be humble, but a lot of it's going to Hollywood and making huge films. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that I just get to see her, you know, on the regular when I'm out getting my uh, coffee in the morning. Um, Mandy Walker would also be the first woman to take home a statue for cinematography, so about time for that. Kate Blanchett is also up for Best Actress for her film Tar. There is so much buzz, though, around a film called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and that's actually tipped to be Best Picture this year. I can't wait to see it. It looks amazing. 
amazing. Yeah, I'm really keen to see that one as well. We'll catch you tomorrow, Katrina. Jan Fran's about to join me as we find out what's been going on with the Iranian schoolgirl situation. Hey, it's Jan Fran here. Now to the big story out of Iran. So there are concerns that hundreds or potentially thousands of schoolgirls have been gassed. Some believe as a deliberate strategy to stop them going to school and some believe as a way of silencing them so they don't take to the streets in the same way they've been doing over the last few months. To find out more, we're going to speak to Nos Hosseini, who's the secretary of the Iranian Women's Association here in Australia. Nos, thanks for joining us. What's your understanding of what's actually happened? What's been happening is uh, since November last year, across at least 58 schools in Iran, over 1,200 schoolgirls have been poisoned by toxic gas. We believe that this is an attempt by the regime to silence and punish schoolgirls. And it really shows how desperate the regime is and how fragile the regime is in that it feels threatened by schoolgirls who have been at the forefront of this revolution and this movement for change. And um, schoolgirls have been prominently outspoken and have been a key part of this movement. What's clear to me is that these poisonings are retribution for the role that the courageous students have been playing in the anti-regime protests. And we see this as a deliberate act of state-sanctioned biological terrorism, the purpose of which is to prevent girls from speaking out and also furthering their education. So, in, in response to these mass poisonings, parents are opting to keep their daughters at home and have decided to homeschool their daughters to keep them safe and to keep them protected. So it's just another way that the regime's been keeping control over women and the movement of these schoolgirls. Hey, Nos, you keep saying the regime. What what do you mean when you say that? What is the regime? Is, is that implying that the government, the Iranian government, is gassing its own children? The Supreme Leader of Iran, uh, Khamenei, he's the Supreme Leader, all ultimate power is concentrated in his hands. He's come out and declared that he's going to find the culprits. It's clear that they're not wanting to accept responsibility for the the poisoning of the schoolgirls and they're abrogating responsibility. It's clear that it's the... Iranian government or the Iranian regime who's behind this. Um, They've apparently arrested a few people who they're probably scapegoating and saying that these individuals are behind these mass poisonings. But I'd say given the nature of the toxic substances that are being used, they're not substances that everyday people would have access to. This mass poisoning would only be able to be executed and carried out by the regime. So you said it's clear it's the regime. What what evidence is there to support that, that it makes it so clear? It's speculation at this point. I wouldn't say that it's clear that it's the regime, but given the regime has constantly violated the human rights of the Iranian people and has committed executions, public executions of political prisoners, women, lawyers, journalists, dissidents, bloggers, reporters, I wouldn't put it past them to 
perpetrate these crimes and to be the ones behind it. Only time will tell. I'm sure that once the fact-finding missions are done into the human rights abuses that have occurred since the deliberate murder of 22-year-old Kurdish Iranian woman Gina Maso Amini in September of last year, that the extent of the human rights violations of the Iranian regime will be made clear. And it will probably emerge that the regime has played a very strong role in in these poisonings. Nos, you, you mentioned there that um, the uh, the supreme leader of Iran has come out in you know against what's happened. He's called it unforgivable. That's the the term that's being reported. There's also been reports that Iran's education minister has said that the girls going to the hospitals and medical centres, 95% of them are only sort of plagued by fear and worry, not actual symptoms. So there's been a little bit of pushback there from the government or on behalf of the government. What what do you make of all of that? A doctor who specialises in treating um, poisoning victims spoke anonymously to The Guardian and has Come, has reached the conclusion that according to the data that's available with respect to the poisonings and um, the symptoms that these schoolgirls have been exhibiting, which includes severe sweating and excess salivation and vomiting and diarrhea and so on, that the poisoning could be as a result of their exposure to a weak organosphate agent. The doctor has concluded that the attack was probably carried out with the use of this agent. And the motive was most likely to scare the protesters and scare the schoolgirls. And it, it's a mechanism to enact revenge on the schoolgirls who are the pioneers of, of this movement. And um, the doctor also commented that he's never treated or he or she has never treated anyone who had been poisoned by organophosphate agents. At least five schoolgirls have died as a result of this poisoning. Um, I'm sure the actual figures on the ground are much higher. There is an internet blackout that's prevented very accurate and up-to-date information from reaching us outside Iran. But the the regime is attempting to shift the blame. The Deputy Health Minister, Yunus Panahi, has implicitly confirmed that the poisonings were deliberate. And... Um, he commented that um, some people want the schools, especially girls' schools, to be closed. It's it's not enough for the Supreme Leader to come out and say that he's deeply concerned about these acts. As after Masa Amini was murdered in the custody of the so-called morality police in September of last year, the regime came out and said, look, we're going to run an independent investigation. And they concluded that she wasn't murdered as a result of brute force and torture that she was subject to whilst in the custody of the morality police. They came out and said that she had a heart attack and died and she was perfectly healthy. The result of the the, the, the fatal assault that happened was as a result of the violent attack on her and um, it, it's just clear that it's not in the regime's best interests to really run an investigation and any investigation would need to be run by an independent body and there's no sense of independence by anybody that the regime would delegate this duty or responsibility to. So as you've mentioned a few times, um, different members of the government have come out and acknowledged that gassings have happened 
and said that they've arrested suspects across a number of provinces. Could it be that there is a a more hardline militia group or some kind of other terrorist group that's not part of the regime that's responsible for these attacks? Is, is that what the government's implying? Look, it could be a group of rebels um, that are carrying out and executing these attacks on schoolgirls. But something like this is quite unprecedented. We haven't seen this happen in Iran before. This is unprecedented. And I'd say that only the regime would have the resources to carry out um, a mass attack like this. It's not as though it's concentrated to one area or one province. It's been widespread across 58 schools across Iran. It could be a rebel group, but I'd say that might strongly be the regime that's carried out these attacks and is now attempting to scapegoat rebel groups to abrogate the responsibility or the the role that it's played in these poisonings. How badly is this affecting people? What's the response been from um, people in Iran about this? Uh, So I've seen harrowing footage of fathers standing at the school grounds trying to climb the fence to break his daughter out of the school. Girls are being held hostage and held captive at these schools while they're being poisoned. And parents are saying that they prefer to keep their daughters at home and would prefer to homeschool them to keep them safe. We have members of the community here in Australia who have relatives who attend some of these schools and have been poisoned and they're showing symptoms that indicate that it's quite clear that that they've been poisoned and they're very worried about their their relatives in Iran. Is there something you want the Australian government to do about this? Absolutely. I mean, we're very grateful that the Australian government played an instrumental role in um, pushing for the Iranian regime to be removed from the UN um, commission on the status of women, as well as leading the way in the UN passing a resolution to to start up a fact-finding mission into the violence and the human rights violations that have occurred in Iran. That was Nos Husseini. She's the secretary of the Iranian Women's Association here in Australia. Yeah, my heart goes out to anyone directly affected by this and also the fear that this whole situation spreads around the wider community. I do have to say, I wish we had better quality information on this. Um, There's a a wide range of estimates of how many people this has affected. And in that interview, Nos made a very strong claim that this is state-sponsored bioterrorism. But when we asked follow-up questions about evidence, she wasn't able to give any direct evidence to back up that claim. I mean, what is clear is even the government admits the attacks have happened. They're suggesting someone else is responsible. So the big question still remains, who is responsible for this? Is it the regime or is it a more fringe group? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about better quality information, it's extremely difficult to get good quality information from a place like Iran just because their press freedom laws and regulations Mm. are abysmal. It's one of the worst countries in the world when it comes to press freedom. Um, And so the access is limited. The freedom to speak openly and report openly Mm. is incredibly limited. And that's why I think we're getting a lot of discrepancy in some of the numbers and uh, some of the figures that we're seeing in this story and also uh, around who is responsible. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we're going inside Long Bay Prison. You'll find out why in tomorrow's app. Listener.